Hello, and welcome to another episode of Proactive Parenting, a show where I offer judgment-free advice on how to raise value-driven children in a way that's right for your family using the most current scientific research out there. I'm your host, Dr. Deanna Marie Mason. I'm a certified pediatric nurse practitioner, published author, and expert in child development. I'm also the mom of two gorgeous children, so I know firsthand how much pressure and misinformation is out there, and that's why I'm here. So grab yourself a cup of tea or coffee, settle in, and let's let our guard down, because this is a safe space to ask questions and get real, honest answers about how to raise kids in a way that works for your family. In today's episode, we're going to talk about something that's central to proactive parenting, and that's values. In my work with families, I've come to learn that many parents see values as an old-fashioned idea that doesn't have much to do with raising kids today. However, research and developmental theory place value formation at the center of creating a harmonious family life and raising happy and healthy children. And it's not just that they're happy and healthy, it's that they, over time, will be ready to be independent adults and take on all the challenges and joy that comes with that. So today, I want to explore what happens when we raise our children in a value-neutral environment and see why that will not help us achieve our goals with our children. Now, you might be thinking, why are we talking about raising children in a value-neutral environment rather than talking about the importance of raising value-driven children. And honestly, I have to say that in my work with families, sometimes it's easier for them to understand the importance of values when I explain what happens or what will continue to happen if they continue on the same value-neutral parenting path that they're on. And it, it's not always positive focused, but sometimes I think we need to know about the risk so that we try to avoid it. When we just talk about the wonderful things that happen with, with value formation, it's easy to overlook the importance of it because it just sounds so pie in the sky. So if we start from a point of, hey, listen, there's actually some danger if we don't put this into our parenting and focus our children's development around value formation. And so that's why I want to talk about what family life looks like in a value neutral situation. And in a future episode, we'll go ahead and talk about how values develop and what occurs in your child as they develop those. But for today, it's really important to let you know that there is a danger in continuing to parent without values as a base. As I said earlier, educating in values is really the secret to raising happy and healthy children who will eventually take on all the responsibilities of being an adult. Our children thrive when they know how to behave. They receive positive feedback for their good behaviors and they feel like they belong because they understand where they fit into the world they live in, including within our family. 
So by teaching values, we create a trusting relationship between us and our children. And when we actively participate in our children's development, we are guiding them on how to view and understand the world. This is a wonderful opportunity and also a really big responsibility, but it is completely doable with proactive parenting, harnessing the understanding of how our children develop and using that to create limits and discipline based on values is really all you need to do. However, if we ignore this opportunity or simply don't even realize it's there because we don't know the importance of values, we're gonna leave our children's understanding of the world up to chance. And maybe they'll get it, but maybe they won't. Values in the end, guide our lives and decisions because they reflect how we see our rights, our responsibilities, and our obligations. If we raise our children to focus on values that will help them learn to respectfully interact with other people while also knowing how to care for themselves, their emerging values will guide their interactions with us and the larger world. To be sure, our kiddos with their limited life experience need us to provide tools to help them evaluate the situations around them, to make decisions, and to choose their actions. Values are what creates a clear and consistent base to do all of these things. And luckily, values can be explained as concretely or as abstractly as needed so that our little ones can continue to understand our message at each and every age and stage no matter where they're at in their own development. So let me use a simple example like the golden rule to try to make what we're talking about here a little bit more tangible. Simply said, the golden rule encourages us to treat others as we'd like to be treated. This is an empathy-driven idea that captures the values of honesty, respect, and shared responsibility. Even the youngest children can think about what they would like in a situation and use those feelings to consider the needs of others who are present. Of course, little ones don't yet have enough practice in their life to do this independently. So that's why we as parents create limits and discipline for them to practice these behaviors, even when they don't yet know or understand the values behind the limits. And this, over time, is what helps our children internalize what we're teaching them until it becomes a stable part of who they are. We're able to see examples of value-neutral parenting all around us. And while the news is full of really extreme examples, including rape, murder, pornography, addictions, extreme bullying, and substance use, I generally focus on the more insidious trends that, that are happening in family homes that have equally disruptive ends. Some examples of this include simple disrespect for parents and teachers, dishonesty and, and petty stealing, failure to value the importance of hard work and education, and a self-centeredness at the expense of others. And that looks like the child who can't seem to pack up their bag and be in the car on time for school drop-off without making mom or dad late for work every day, or the child who has a meltdown every time something isn't just 
perfect. These are just a few of the consequences that many, many families face every day. And it's these issues that interfere with family harmony. They increase family stress levels, and ultimately, they have a social and economic cost for the family and the community. But luckily, we aren't helpless against these behaviors. There are effective, proactive parenting strategies available that can help us raise happy and healthy, value-driven children. Values are communicated to our kiddos both directly and indirectly throughout their childhood and adolescence. Now, as I've repeated multiple times, limits and discipline are how we help our children learn values directly while we model good behaviors to communicate values indirectly. This is why it's so important that we do as we say. Our kiddos can't really learn about our values if we expect them to behave in one way, but we as parents are modeling a different behavior. This only will create a confusion between what we're saying and what we're doing. And in the end, our kids won't be able to learn what we want them to learn. For value formation to work, we have to practice what we preach so that our words and our example match. If we look at this from a developmental perspective, it is never too early to start teaching values. Values are learned over time and they need support to grow and develop. Values can be taught to our kiddos starting around age one when we begin to use limits and discipline to help protect their safety. And you might be thinking, oh, it's impossible that we teach limits to a child who's one. But let me give you an example of how this starts. At the first birthday, we begin to use the word no to help our kiddo learn to stay safe, such as when we don't want them to touch a hot object. And we apply discipline when they don't listen, which could be going over and picking them up and moving them away from the dangerous hot object and placing them someplace safe. Now that seems very natural and you might be thinking, what does that have to do with values? Well, together, those parental actions are actually laying the foundation for the value of respect. Small children need to learn to listen to what their parents are telling them to do and that's to assure their physical safety. And if they don't, as a consequence, they're gonna lose some of their liberty to roam around and explore. So when we look at this simple interaction of hearing the word no, not stopping, and a parent going in and moving the child away from danger, we see the value of respect is supported because our child learns that we have authority and that we're paying attention to them to keep them safe. And we have their best interests at heart. And that there is truth keeping in the sense that when they cross the limits that we set, there will be a consequence. And since our kiddos thrive in predictable, stable environments, this pattern reinforces a predictable routine that our little ones can learn internalize and use to regulate their own behavior. Now, it's important to note that research clearly shows that values are learned more profoundly the earlier that they're taught. And that's why I say it's okay to start teaching values through the tools of limits and discipline starting at age one when our children are developmentally ready to take on that type of 
interaction with us. However, if we wait to begin using limits and discipline until our child is older, say around seven to 10 years old, which unfortunately is when a large number of parents start to consciously set limits and try to discipline their children, according to the research, there is a very good chance that our child will only learn the behavior rather than the values behind the behavior. Let me explain how this happens. Our children won't be able to connect a behavior to the values that are supposed to be guiding that behavior unless they have had time to understand why. And when we start late, say around seven to 10 years, our children are at the cognitive or intellectual level where they will begin to avoid a behavior that gives them a consequence because they don't want the consequence, not because they understand why the behavior is correct. When this happens, these children behave well if a parent or an adult is present because they know that there is a correct behavior that they should perform, but they choose differently when they're unsupervised. This happens, as I said, because they don't know why the correct behavior is the right one. They only know that it keeps them out of receiving discipline. So when there's no risk of discipline, because they're either alone or there's no adults with authority present, they make other choices about their behaviors based on their desires rather than on our family's values. This is why it's so important to use values as the foundations for limits and discipline. When used together, our children are supported in learning values by being expected to follow clear limits in their behavior and receiving feedback from us in the form of praise and recognition when they follow the limits that we've set and in the form of discipline when they exceed our limits. Now remember that we're supposed to be adjusting our limits and discipline based on the age and developmental level of our children throughout their childhood and adolescence. So in this way, our children learn a little bit more about the underlying values as their limits and discipline expand to reflect their own growth and development. And this is where the magic happens. With time, our children learn these values in a deep and profound way to help them decide what to focus on, to explore the available options, and to choose their action and most importantly, to, to evaluate themselves honestly. These are the characteristics that allow us to know that our children will go into the world and make the right choices. And if they do make a mistake, which is completely understandable, they will have trust in us to come and seek our assistance and help to help them overcome whatever they've stumbled into. Now, children who mature into adolescence without a firm grasp of values to guide their lives have a really hard time taking on the responsibilities of adulthood. This happens because they have ever-shifting measures on how to live. In my practice, I see teens and young adults who don't know how to get along with others. They demand respect from everyone, but do not feel they need to give respect to anyone. Most often, their feelings drive their decision-making, and it can lead them to some really negative behaviors, such as 
dropping out of university because a professor made them feel, as they say, stupid, or they quit a job because they were corrected by their boss. They drop out of an activity because they weren't chosen as first line or the best to start the game, or they blame their parents for their own failures, and the list goes on and on. Sadly, it's nearly impossible to teach teens and young adults values if they haven't started earlier in their life. Instead, when our children get to these ages, we just have to let them experience the natural consequences of their actions until the next learning cycle comes around, which is developmentally at about age 30 to 32. By letting our teens suffer the natural consequences of their behavior, it helps them understand that their choices really aren't working out. And by age 30 to 32, they'll start to search for answers that are more traditional, like going back to school for an education to get a better job, looking for a more substantial characteristic in a partner other than their looks or their money, or accepting the reality that it really does take hard work to accomplish a goal and that there are no shortcuts. While this age group that we've just been talking about is probably much older than your children are right now, remember that the days go slowly, but the years fly by. And before you know it, your little ones will be grown. And we're focusing today on understanding the importance of including values in your parenting now to avoid problems that will develop in value-neutral children later. This is about pure prevention. You can prevent having a teen who fails at school. You can prevent having a teen who is engaged in bullying, aggressive behaviors. You can avoid a teen who doesn't have a clear idea on how to study and what to study and what to pursue in their life. These are things that we can help our children avoid by integrating values into our parenting. And we do that again with limits and discipline because it's the surest way to raise value-driven children. So we never want to overlook the power in these parenting tools. Just by being aware that values are an important part of raising children and harnessing the power of limits and discipline to teach values from a young age are the first steps in raising value-driven children and preventing most behavioral problems. When our little ones are able to learn about our family values in a fluid, consistent manner throughout childhood and adolescence, those values become a part of our children. And our kiddos will use these values to help them understand the world, think about their choices, and choose their actions. And those values will be embodied and live in our children. To me, this is a very comforting thought that we as parents have the chance to change society and the world by raising value-driven children. If there ever was a superpower, this must be it. And how beautiful would things be if we all taught our kiddos about honesty respect, and shared responsibility. 
So while this episode has focused on value-neutral parenting and the dangers that that puts us at for having problems later in our children when they're in their tweens and teen years, it's really this positive note of understanding that we have a chance to influence who our children become in the future by making a conscious choice about teaching values and doing that early and with consistency so that it becomes part of our children and they walk into the world with these wonderful tools to guide them and make the world better. So on that hopeful note, I want to wrap up this podcast and really encourage you to consider the importance of incorporating values into your daily parenting. And in another episode soon, we'll talk about how values form so you understand how that will look in your child as they grow. But for now, just focusing on the importance of avoiding value-neutral parenting is a great place to start considering this topic. As always, if you have any questions you'd like answered, please don't hesitate to send me an email at deanna at deannamariemason.com. And you can find out more about me and what I do on my website at proactiveparenting.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for my name, Deanna Marie Mason, and you'll find a community of parents just like you. Finally, if you're interested in buying any of my books or my online courses, they too are available on my website, proactiveparenting.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please tell a friend and leave a review on iTunes. I think that's all for me right now. I'm again Dr. Deanna Marie Mason. I'm going to sign off here. I hope to see you in the next episode, and until then, take care and be well.